I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two Average Girls. Happy Tag Tuesday. Happy birthday to us. <laughs> Happy birthday to us. There's no cake. There's no candle. Is there going to be some sort of stripper gram or something? <laughs> it's our birthday. It's our birthday. It's one year. We're one year old today. Can you believe it? We've done 50 nope. shows. Actually, why is it only 50? Did we miscount? I didn't count them. (laughs) You're the one that told me we had 52. But anyway. But we, yeah, I, I, maybe there's like, I don't know. I don't. don't. We did actually miss a couple weeks. We did. So that's why. That's why. So happy birthday, Denise. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. It is our one year anniversary. We have been on air for one year. You believe that? I, I, some days I feel like, yes, I believe it. And it's like a marriage. <laughs> Seems like just yesterday. And yet here we are. Sure and we are. it is a long time from now. But it is, I, I I really can't believe that it's been a year. It seems like what led up to it seemed like a long time. Because it was a long time in coming. Yeah, the planning was much longer than sort of the execution, I guess. Once we sort of jumped in, that was that. Was that. So we have, uh, the, really the only people we have to thank is the people who listen. And that's, that's you guys. That's who we have. We're so appreciative. Yeah. We really are. And we have a great team. Let's just be real. Oh, no, we do. We have a, it's a small but mighty support system. Yeah. And I, it's really proof that you don't need a large group of, of, say, employees in order to get things done. You need a few people who are competent and confident and that's it. And they believed in us. Yeah. That's the part. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to give a shout out to both our husbands because mm-hmm. really without them, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be here. Really, we, we might be here, but we might also be in a marriage that isn't very happy. And they are completely supportive and they don't care that we're doing this. No, and it takes they're time. They're actually happy that we do this. Yeah, I think it is. I mm-hmm. think they're like, good. They don't have to talk to us. They talk to each other. Is this going to lead to less talking at home? <laughs> the question I got. No. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm all for it, Anne. Go you for it. You should do that. You no. and Denise should just hang out all day. Then when you come home, you're just tired of talking. Uh, yes. Uh, so my husband and your husband mm-hmm. have been great. And yeah. they have been, I mean, I was kind of surprised. Not that my husband's not great, but I didn't know if he would listen. I didn't know if he would support it. And he has actually been a supporter and a complete doll about just being really kind about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'll say certain things like for us to improve, but sure. they're always just like, Directed in the right, in the in best the right place way. ever. That's exactly right. And so. then we have Jack Jack. Jack Jack, who was with us from the beginning and supported us. And it actually was the one who was like, would you guys just cut it out and do the thing? I know. I, I Literally, we were talking about this yesterday. And she has been with us from the beginning, but not just been with us. Um, we asked her to do the social media portion and, but she's been our cheerleader. Mm -hmm. That's the most important part. Because all of the stuff that goes, us talking in a microphone is normal for us. I mean, not the microphone, but just talking. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is just, we wanted to have fun. That was our goal. Mm -hmm. If we got some listeners, great. But in order to get your listeners, you have to promote yourself. And that's not our forte. We, we knew very little about promoting, uh, about social media and, Jack stepped in and was like, I'll do this, I'll do that. And she, you know, came over with a ring light and just started recording us. And she, but it was more than that, like you said. She was, from the beginning, the one person who was just like, no, I think you guys can do that. No, I think that would be great. Well, and she she listens to a lot of podcasts. She does. And some of the suggestions she made were, she would reference other podcasts that she's been listening to from the beginning Mm -hmm. because... Everybody that you tell is that you're doing a podcast says, oh, like Joe Rogan. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, just like Joe. Except oh, yeah. for we're not going to have any MMA fighters or any comedians on, and we don't ha- get paid $100 million to do it. Wait, okay. No one told me that part. I know. It's, <laughs> it's a shock to you that, that we're not getting any money, and we don't have a, millions and millions of downloads. And we're not Joe Bros. And we're not Joe Bros. Sorry. On top of it. But uh, so the reference was always, that's the upper echelon of whatever. There's like 2 million podcasts out there. There's a lot. And I've listened to a lot of them. And I've learned from some things, but Jacqueline took some of the stuff and her very first, I think, bit of advice was just do it and have fun and don't worry about the rest, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, she said, just be yourself and do what you feel like you want to do and it'll work out. She was right. She was actually really right. She was right. So we love you, Jack Jack. Thank you for all of your help and guidance. It doesn't seem like from her point of view, I know she's like, I have given you no guidance, but she has. (laughs) It's tough when you have to guide your mom and her friend. (laughs) Well, and that's probably one of the most beautiful parts of it is that, again, not everybody in the family has been supportive of us. And so... We had to go to an editor, and we are so grateful for our editor. We found the greatest editor. No one, no one steal him. Aiden, you've heard <laughs> us talk about Aiden, and he's he's the sweetest little. He's been on our podcast. He's been on the podcast. He's the sweetest kid in in real life. I call him a kid. He's kind of an old soul. He is, and super bright. Oh, really? And really knocking real, it out of the park at I USC. Mean, at USC, just killing it. And but also just handles us and our stuff (laughs) just any questions we have he's like a real calming voice to both of us because i'll come across stuff that i'm like oh no aiden you have to go back and re-edit that you have to take that out you know i have these little panic moments where i'll hear something that may have slipped through that i didn't catch whatever and he is always just like no worries i'll take care i'll take care of it i've got this and Mm -hmm. totally and i'm not even lying two minutes later it reappears and it's is fixed right so he's really been just like an even keel in this entire process and we can't believe that we have him no we are so grateful for him we We are. are so grateful for him so and there's so many of you that are listening on a daily i mean a weekly every tuesday you're telling us you wake up and you start listening you take your walks and you we're part of your life we appreciate you because without you we wouldn't have the fortitude to keep going i mean if i mean Let's be real. If we were getting no listeners, we would be like, why are we doing this? But we right. continue to get more and more listeners. So we really are appreciative. And so thank you. Thank you. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. That's yeah. kind of fun. Uh, we went back through all of our podcasts and we looked at the people that we had on that left us with a tag, a takeaway gift. So I had such a good time going back through and listening to the ends of these podcasts, finding the tags that people left for us some of them i had kind of forgotten about others sort of stuck with me so denise and i went through and we chose our favorites we didn't tell each other we didn't tell each other what they were and i think we're gonna have some overlap just because (laughs) just because yeah so do we want to do you want to start you want me to start whatever you want okay i think let let's start because i think that our first one is going to be the same i think okay Uh, our (laughs) one of our favorite tags uh was jason freese Part of the reason we have such warm feelings to Jason is because he was our first guest. Yes. He was our first on-air interview. He was kind of like Jack in that he, once Denise told him, he's a lifelong friend of the Cooper family. Mm-hmm. And when Denise told him that this is what we were planning on doing, he the energy he brought yes. to just, just the conversation about the podcast was 
off the charts. He was like, oh, this is great. This is the best thing. You have to do this. It's going to be great. He came I love over, the name. I love the name. Love it all. He came over. He brought equipment mm-hmm. because he's a professional musician and he yeah. brought his equipment, mm-hmm. was trying to teach me how to edit. It did not work. But <laughs> bless you. Bless you, Jace, for trying to. And he was willing to be our first interview. Thank goodness it was COVID because yeah. he would have been out on the road. Yeah. I mean, he tours with Green Day. I, I have to tell you, about, I would say, a few months before we ever even recorded with him, I told him about my idea and I asked him, would you be willing to be on the podcast? He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah. Again, and at the time that I was talking to him, COVID was just coming into view for all of us. Okay. And I actually didn't know anything about COVID, but he was telling me that he was supposed to go on tour, but there was this thing called COVID out in the Orient in China that he, and they were supposed to be going to China. Green Day was going to I believe do some so. They were going to be going to somewhere in that area. Oh my gosh. And they were on hold. They weren't sure what was going on sure. and he was worried. Yeah. Like he was like what are we going to do? We're not sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. so he was saying if I don't go, I will do it. And then when he didn't go, I was like, "Oh, they're lost my game." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. So he did come over like Ann said and it was it was really sweet for me to see because like in our podcast, when we talked about it, I've known him since he was in high school. Mm-hmm. And we bought our first house. I found out it was pregnant with my first child living next door to he and his father and his brother. And Jason was the first person to hold my eldest son, Mitchell, except for a family member. We came home and Jason and Stan met us there. He held Mitchell and Mitchell loved him from the beginning. I knew Jason when he was 16. I knew him when he had a little mullet. Ooh, like times. oh yeah oh yeah. yeah 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 and so and i've seen him grow as a person as a father as a husband and as a friend to mitchell now on a different level they're man-to-man as friends. adults yeah. as adults mm-hmm. so it's really been a all a full circle moment for me and i'm so grateful and one of the reasons i loved interviewing jason is because he is the first time we've ever interviewed and mm-hmm. i wasn't sure how to go about it right mm-hmm. yeah and he was he was so great because he helped us mm-hmm. and he was a storyteller. Yes. And that's the beautiful thing about him. So if you haven't listened to it, he is our second, mm-hmm. he's our second um, post mm-hmm. um, and it's called the musician artist man of the cloth. And he talks about all the things that he has to go through on a, you know, on a regular basis as a touring musician. Uh, are you did you do a 12-step program I did I did and that was really big for me because you know AA is really interesting because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, God in it yeah and for people who don't believe in God or they have a different kind of God then they're like well how do I relate to AA because I, I don't do the whole God Jesus thing like that's not my you know I'm, I'm Buddhist or I'm whatever whatever or I'm atheist um, or of any other denomination that doesn't do the the Christianity role. Right. Um, and then I and and it's like I was born, you know, we went to church and it's just normal, I guess, Orange County Christian family. There's nothing. There wasn't, you know. I think when my parents got divorced, we kind of quit going to church. Um, but I grew up in the church. Uh, and so for me, it wasn't a big deal. But I hadn't been to church in a long, long, long time. And uh, for me, it was it was interesting because AA, a lot of people get turned off from it. But I learned a long time ago that it, you know, like anything in life, you take what you need from it and you leave what you want to leave. You know, 
And for me, it was easy because, you know, I, you know, it wasn't like I was this really hardcore Christian that I was like, yeah. And, you know, it's like, I, I'm really connecting this. But for me, it wasn't weird for me because, you know, I was Christian and I was like, okay, this is great, you know. Uh, but the whole AA thing for me was I needed answers. I didn't know how I was going to pull it off. I didn't think I could make like two days without drinking. And I didn't, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I had no confidence and it was really scary. It was really scary. And all I wanted was advice and answers. And the only place that I was really going to find it in my mind was AA. So I started going to AA meetings and it really helped me. And it was really, it it was a long path too at the beginning because I was very, uh, I was very, I just, I had so many answers and I just needed, when I go to AA meetings, it's like, you know, and people will tell you this, you know, like some AA meetings are painful, you know, like you listen to these speakers meeting, you go, I don't, I, 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 I didn't relate to one of these guys. Like I don't, this, I will left the meeting feeling worse than when I entered. And I remember talking, uh, one of my first sponsors and I'm not, I'm not giving his anonymity away cause he's very vocal about being sober and the program is Joe Walsh. And and I remember talking to him one time and saying, he said, how are your meetings going? And I went, uh, I go, honestly, I go, I've, I've had a slew of really bad ones. And, you know, I, I'm kind of having a hard time with it altogether. And he said something that stuck with me. And he was like, make sure when someone's speaking and you are not connecting with them, you have to check yourself and make sure that you're concentrating on the similarities and not your differences. Because if you concentrate on your differences, it life is going to be hard if you concentrate on your similarities and he goes this is not in just aa but he goes it really helps in aa he goes if you concentrate on your similarities you're going to have a lot easier time in life period and especially when people are speaking in aa meetings and and i went okay you know i just kind of took the advice and kind of you know went on my way and then the next meeting i went to that i was not connecting at all i just i think some guy was talking about something he was just out of jail and He's on his fourth DUI and stuff. And I'm sitting there going, I can't relate to any of this stuff. I've never been in jail. And I've never had a DUI. You know, and he's talking all this stuff. And he's just going on and on and on and on. He was kind of a bummer the way he talked. I was not engaged at all. And uh, and then he started saying a few things. And I was like, that's me. And, mm-hmm. he's, and he said, and then I did this. And I go, I've done that. Oh. I've done that a, a billion times. And people in the room are laughing going, yeah, I did. I've done that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like. And then it got AA got a lot easier for me because I was like I learned how to approach it differently. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that a great I mean that's something that all of us especially right now in this world oh that God, we live yeah. in in the if, political climate. I mean just everything in general. I I keep saying that that we have so much more in common. Yeah. than we have. And everyone's everyone right now is so separated and you know it's They're like, looking you know, for the differences instead yeah. of for the similarities. Right. And if we can just approach life and approach relationships with these people that are yeah. different than us, mm-hmm. I mean, how boring is it if everybody was exactly the same? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, exactly. and that's the same thing even with AA and just your recovery yeah. process. I mean, well, it's going to be different, but a lot the same. Yeah. I was, I was just having that conversation with my kids. I have an 11 year old and an eight year old, two boys, and we were in the car yesterday and my eight year old was lighting up my 11 year old about how there was something that there was something that my eight-year-old liked that my 11-year-old definitely was not didn't like Mm -hmm. and my eight-year-old couldn't figure it out Mm -hmm. and he was like i can't believe you don't like that 
and I, and 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 I stopped and I said, "Hey, that's what makes the world go around." Right. You know, he doesn't like. He, oh, we were talking about cars, and my eight-year-old loves cars. He loves he loves sports cars. He loves everything, trucks and everything. My eleven-year-old could really care less about cars, mm-hmm. and my eight-year-old is like, "Why don't you like this Lamborghini or whatever?" And I and and he was like, kind of goofing on him, like some guy would go, "Dude, if everyone liked the same stuff in life." Life would be really boring, man. Yeah, right. Well, I th- that was one of the ones we both, I knew we would both, because that was right. one of my favorites. Right. That was one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that the next favorite happens to be um, the third one we did, which is the next one that we aired, which was My Tales from My Honeymoon. <sighs> I'm on the basement floor with you. Yes. <laughs> it reminded me, though, of where Hod and I started. Right That's on gross. the basement floor in the Hotel Americana, no. down and dirty, no running water, laying on the floor, hoping the ceiling didn't crash in on us, no air conditioning, no hope for getting out of there for five days. <laughs> no. I was like, gosh, the government's going to fail me here, I guess. And they did mm-hmm. because I didn't realize that that's not how it works. Right. I, I didn't know. Right. So it was early in my life and I, I was naive. But it just reminded me, I love that. Retelling that story mm-hmm. makes me realize, wow, Hod and I really have come a long way. I yeah. mean, and surprisingly, I look on that tragedy because it was pretty tragic at the time. Yeah. The, the honeymoon from hell. Mm. It's one of the best memories I have. Yeah of our relationship so yeah. it, that's one of the reasons i loved it so much it's a great story and i had a lot of fun i almost listened to the entire episode when i was going back because <laughs> I, I was like i think she i think she left a tag on this one i've got to find it and I kept kind of going back and listening and i was in stitches again listening to the story in the basement of the hotel americana oh my gosh i think that my tag wasn't really a tag but i think the quote of that i remember saying is if they promise you to fly you first class say no yeah in the middle of a hurricane yeah 100 say no always say no (laughs) always say no nothing comes for free cancun has got an all-inclusive that's in that's also incorporated with the, the place that was in jamaica so they will like divert us over there. We're going to go. Good. Yeah, so cool. I call my mom from the airport. We're not going to Jamaica now. And she's known that there's this issue. We're now going to go to Cancun. Okay, great. As we're waiting for the plane to get there and it's a couple hours in, you know, we've been there all day now and we're waiting. The plane comes, but they tell us, we find out that now Hurricane Gilbert went from Jamaica and made a turn. <laughs> And is now headed towards Jamaica. Wait, it was in Jamaica. I mean, towards Cancun. No, no. Yes. So it's again, basically following you. It's basically following my dreams. <laughs> Creating nightmares. It's along trying the way. to sabotage my entire vacation. And again, there's no cell phones. There's no internet. You can't look up the weather. It's not like you can just figure this out. You have to, you're relying on who's talking to you on the other line. People do not understand how dark it was. These are dark days. It didn't seem that bad at the time. No. But we didn't know any different. But now different. you look back on it and you think, how did I survive? Why did but I you go now anywhere? know why I had gotten to this predicament. So yeah. they, the girl on the other line says, listen, I, I'm, I think you should go to Cancun. I, I think you're going to be okay. We don't know if it's going to go there for sure, but it, 
you know, it, it could, but the chances of that happening are very slim. Famous last words. We go to the front of the the, the um, airport or to the, the uh, plane. I think it was Delta or something. Probably was because they're the worst. Um, and <laughs> gosh, don't ever Promo fly code. Delta. <laughs> Two average girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I literally remember them saying, if you guys want to come, because we're like, we're kind of worried it's supposed to come there. Don't worry. We will fly you back. If we get there and it's coming, we're going to be bringing passengers back. You can just stay on the plane and you can get back on and you'll come home. Okay. Okay. That's it's a win-win. Interesting deal. And we're going to fly you first class. Oh, they bumped you kind of a thing? They bumped us first class because guess what? Nobody else was on the plane. I was going to say, what did the plane look like? There was no... It was you guys. That should have been the first clue. No. Nobody what? wanted to go down to Mexico because there's going to be a, a hurricane. And its name but is not Hod and I, because we are in first class, <laughs> drinks are included, <laughs> and we are on our vacation. In it to win it. We only have six days left. <laughs> Let's get going. Get this train Now, moving. the the dramatic part of this all is again, we don't we don't have the internet. We don't have cell phones. I'm on a payphone. Hod's talking to the front. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. He comes over while I'm talking to my mother and says he tells me all this. Now they can fly us home, and I said I tell him. I don't think we should go. Oh, really? I tell him, I don't think we should go. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Okay. And then he's like, well, what do you want? You know, I'm like, I don't know. And so he walks away to go back to talk to them. And my mom, and I hear over the loudspeaker as I'm talking to my mom, because my mom, of course, is not like, well, Denise, she's not being rational. She's like, oh my gosh, don't go. You're going to die. You know, whatever she's saying. And I hear over the loudspeaker, Denise Cooper can you please report to Terminal A or whatever it was? Your plane is getting ready to board. And I say to my mom, I guess I have to go. I don't even want to go. I got to go. Bye. And I hang up on her. That was going to be the, your last words to her. That's what she thought. And then <laughs> let's fast forward. Uh-oh. We get on the plane. We're living large. Sure. We're drinking drinks. My ties. We're doing all it around. all. Yeah. We have food. We have everything. And we land in Cancun. And it's probably 60 mile an hour winds. We get off. This is something that everyone should know. If you get off of a plane in Mexico or anywhere, probably for that matter now. Right. But if you get off of a plane in Mexico in the 80s, yeah. you get off. They don't let you back on. Nope. So you, you got off, experienced the, the, the wind carries you halfway and we down said, the tarmac. Oh, we don't want to be here oh, anymore. Oh, you did. You decided that. Mm-hmm. We want to go back. And they said, sorry. Who? You, the, the federales? The federales carrying the machine no. guns. Yes. Yeah. That, that's another thing. This is not a racist statement. I, having been to Cabo and Cancun, <laughs> both of those airports at the time I went were outside airports. They're not your basic LAX where you're dropped into a nice little walkway that shields you. from. No, no, no. You're dropped on the tarmac and there are federales, machine gun toting gentlemen who don't give a dang about your life. Nope are there to protect whatever they're to protect so that was that was just de rigueur for the time it just was what 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 happened we walk through we go up to the the gate and i said no we want to go back yeah and they don't people on the they don't understand anything first of all i don't speak spanish and they don't understand what i'm saying and even if they did they didn't care they didn't care they don't care no you're not going back so we panic because now you're in it and now i'm here where do we go we don't know so we Managed to get our ride. We call the, the resort. We get a ride. They take us to 
the resort. As we go to the resort, they're evacuating. What do you mean they're evacuating? The resort's evacuating? The, yeah, because they're going to be hit by hurricane so within you pull hours. In. We literally get our like shuttle or a, a, we took Your our cab yeah. and we get there and there's a big bus and all these drunk people oh, in their bathing suits <laughs> are hopping on this party bus. They think they're going to someplace great, but what they're doing is they're evacuating to the Hotel Americana oh. in downtown Cancun. inland oh, in Cancun. Cancun. Yeah. Because there's going to be a hurricane hitting there within the 24 hours. Now, can you off the dome, remember the, the hotel, the resort that you were supposed to be staying at? It wasn't the Hotel Americana. No, it was, it was, um, no, I can't. Okay. Okay. So it wasn't sandals, but it was like that. It was one of those all-inclusive okay. deals. Okay. So we're thinking, now some people who would just go with the flow would be so excited that this is an adventure. Yeah. I wasn't that person. I wouldn't be. Now I was either. crying. Well, it's a hurricane in Mexico. It's my anniversary. I mean, it's, it's my and it's my honeymoon. It's my honeymoon. And here's and, my new husband, and this is the worst. And thing. I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have come. Mm -hmm. They lured me in with the first class situation. <laughs> it's like a bait and switch. Yeah, it was. And here I am. We literally. Let's just fast forward three days later. I'm still in the Hotel Americana. Okay. I can't get out of there. So you. Step off, step out of your cab to the all-inclusive resort. And do they, they don't show you to a room or anything. Nope. They're just like, what are you doing They're here? like, we're evacuating. Take your stuff and put it on the bus. Get in on the bus. Did you know at the time where the bus was going? No. They're like, we're taking you to a safe haven. Don't mm -hmm. worry about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you, you find yourself at the Hotel Americana where you got a room? No. Where'd you get when you got there? The basement. All of us, the no. all-inclusive crowd, because no. <laughs> already the hotel no. is full. The all-inclusive crowd went to the basement. Now, think about a basement in a hotel anyway. I don't want to. And then you're in Mexico. And I don't care that it's Cancun. It is not a place you want to be. Not a basement situation. Especially when the wind started blowing and the electricity went out. No. We slept. Well, we didn't sleep because, first of all, there's no AC. So it's... It's hurricane conditions where it's sweltering. First of all, it's already sweltering there because of the humidity factor. Right. And then now you're in the basement of the Hotel Americana. And here's the other place, the, the other great part of this. This all-inclusive group, mm. they know how to party. Yeah. They are not prepared for disaster. No. And when I say not prepared, they did not bring food. Were they supposed to? Or water. It's all inclusive. Well, wait a minute. Even during a hurricane, the I'm people, thinking you should have brought some food. Not that not the people who were staying at the hotel. The food should have been provided for them by the purveyors of that hotel. So the all inclusive group that yeah. had to get evacuated. Right. I would have thought somebody would have brought some like food. they had food there. Sure. Clearly. Bring it with you. So no one stuffed their purse with Or maybe they couldn't bring that kind of food with them. I don't know what happened. All I know is we didn't have food or water. Okay, let's dive. Let's just leave that for a sec. I'm still on the basement. I'm still on the basement floor with you. Is there a? Are there pads down there on the floor yes, that you we can had, sit on? No, we had like blankets and stuff, towels that we brought. That you brought yourself. I don't remember. What's I just. The, what's the bathroom situation? There's in the no. There's no bathrooms at work, because now we have a situation with. There's no running water, because everything's out. 
because mm-hmm. you're in Cancun mm-hmm. in the middle of Gilbert. We have pictures of us going out and exploring before the hurricane hit full-born. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like torrential rain, sideways rain. I mean, it's 70-mile-an-hour winds, gusts up to 120. It's like a Category 5. It's like... It's like it's it's at that place where it is the most unbelievable thing. And we, you know, luckily we were in our 20s. No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, it's as if we're going in um, just sequential order. We can't go through all 50 of these just one at a time. But my next favorite one, of course, was episode podcast number four. It's called Carpe Diem. <laughs> and it's the interview that we did with my son. Yes, it was a great one. It was a fun interview. It was, he's... Uh, I, I'm going to sound like a braggy brag, braggerton mom, which I guess that's... You should be. That's one of the things that you get to do when you're the mom. But um, he's really well-spoken. He is. He's good in front of a mic. and He's, he's also an old soul. He's an old soul. He really is. He's good in front of a group. Uh-huh. He can speak very, very well and very intelligently. And he was able to talk to us about his experience in Russia and give us some of his... The high points, maybe a few low points, and some stuff that he learned. And I was just, I remember while we were recording that, just feeling such pride for him and the decisions that he made to to do that, to go serve the Russian people for two years. It, what, it's not an easy decision. No. People outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church, think that when your kid turns 19, you just automatically send them. They, they have to go. They don't have a choice. No. That's 100% not true. And I think... It has evolved. That might have been a thing maybe back in the day, Mm -hmm. but now it's very much up to the individual when they're ready to go. And he was not ready to go when he was 18. He could have. He wasn't ready to go. Right. He got questioned about that by people, which of course just made me want to go, you know. It's, it's, It's the culture sometimes of that, of this group, where they just, it depends on who you who you hang out with and where you live it kind of does so yeah i was i was just so proud that he took the time that he needed in order to mature and be the person who was ready to go serve others for for, for the right years. reasons too for the right reasons and he he did a great job and i couldn't be more proud of of him and, and his and, language skills come on that oh russian God. language is really hard it was such a pleasure to have him on and to listen to that podcast back again and just go yes i'm i'm happy that he's the person that he is right and he is definitely someone that i'm glad i know i mean you missed us yeah i I missed home you know it was hard i think i think i cried the moment yeah yeah i did when i (laughs) you actually cried you're not just saying that oh no i i cried when i i remember when i got to call home um, I it, so I was just in the MTC for nine weeks, and I had just been emailing them. That was it. Yeah. At the time, that mm-hmm. was all was that was all that was allowed. Now missionaries can FaceTime every Monday. Um, but at the time, I hadn't seen nor talked to my parents in nine weeks. So then, I'm in the airport of Frankfurt, Germany. Mm-hmm. I call them, and I'm about to make my last leg into Saint Petersburg. And I call them, and my hear I hear my parents' voices, and I just I couldn't hold back. I just I just started crying. And it wasn't like tears of sadness or t- I just, it, I think it was just tears of the unknown. Right. Cause I was like, I'm about to make, th- I've been to Germany before. So being in Germany was like, cool, you know, buy some German chocolate and call it good. <laughs> but now it was the sense of, okay. There's no turning back. There's no turning back now. And I, I had my Russian visa in hand and I, I was tired. And I remember 
we were told only to speak Russian as best as we could. I mean, it was like a whole process getting in. And I remember just being like, what have I gotten myself into? Crap, I mean, this I'm not is saying anything. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so the idea of seize the day, um, took me a minute, but I remember on the plane over in the day that I got there, actually the minute I got there, my mission president took my bags, put it into the car and had his assistance to other elders that I've been serving there for a while take me and my companion into the city and he was like i want you to go talk to somebody and i looked at him the and very I was like, first day the very first day oh first. you didn't get to go to the mission home oh, first no, no 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 he said come to the mission home you'll go but he's like you got to take the train there and you got to talk to somebody and i looked at him and i was like oh okay <laughs> and i had mind you i've been in the mtc for nine weeks to speak a language and I probably like eight of those weeks, I was still trying to learn the alphabet. Yeah. So Yeah, it's not the same alphabet. No, it's not. And <laughs> you know, like RP is an R in their language. So I mean I had to like re like program my brain yeah. to understand how to read this and let alone understand it. So I looked at him like he was insane and I was like, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. And so we started I remember I got under the train, I started looking around at the people and I was like, oh, this is actually because in my head I was thinking of like, you know, the stereotypical USSR, you know, big furry hats and everyone's scary. And that wasn't the case at all. Sure, you know, nobody was smiling or laughing, but it was very, it was just as normal as here. And I, I remember I was looking around and my, the elder that I was with that was experienced looked at me and said, okay, go talk to that guy right there. And I was like, okay. And then President Rossen had told us right before we got, on, got out, he said, seize the day. He was like, you'll know what that means, but seize the day. And I had already understood what the word seize was. So I was like, okay. So I looked at the guy and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say to him, but I'm going to walk up to him and just hopefully something will come out of my mouth that makes sense. I walked up to him. I asked the worst question in the whole world. I said, are you from here? Oh. Which anyone that has served in Russia and has done those type of, to ask that question is the worst question to start off with. But that's all I knew. Where are you from? So I walked up to him and I said, where are you from? And he looked at me like I was on cocaine. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, he was like, what? And I said, where are you from? And he just goes, I'm from here. And I was like, cool. I'm from America. And we had the greatest conversation. That was probably one of my most amazing conversations I ever had was with that guy. And it, it was all because I seized that moment. Did had, you did you speak Russian to him? I, it was like 50-50. Luckily, and he could speak English. He spoke a little English. Mm-hmm. So it was very nice that we could kind of, you know, he was like, oh, I can't think of this word in English. I'd help him and he would help me. It was really cool. And then after that, oh, I... You let the dogs out. I, I was I was gone. You I talked to every single person. I mean that that after that first one, after I seized that moment and realized, hey, this isn't that bad. You know that, uh, sure. I have no idea what I'm saying. And after I speak Russian to somebody, frankly, I have no idea what they're saying to me. Mm. Um, I still was like, all right, let's let let's go, let's do this. So I I walked up to. I remember we got back to the mission home, and the mission president looked at um, Elder Cummings was his name. And uh, Conrad Cummings, and he, Conrad goes, um, President Rawson, uh, Elder Owens, Cameron, just talked to every single person. Luckily, well, he was there. Someone said they'd call the cops on me my first time. So that was great. What does that mean? Wait, what? So Say that again? So <laughs> Mom my, doesn't know this story. So, no. so my first day, I guess I didn't tell you this. My first day, I okay, so this is already after I had the first great conversation. 
You're there's pumped. Op- there's, You're pumped. There's now. opposition in all things, so <laughs> we got to remember that you know not all great things happen 24 <laughs> seven. So there's got to be an end. So I remember I was walking around. This is still the first day. Still the first day. I had first to make subway it. I, ride. This is we're getting to the mission home. So mm-hmm. I wasn't even there yet, and I, I'm sitting there just talking away. I'm talking. You've been up all night flying here. Night, you, but I, yeah. it, it was like I took a five-hour energy. I mean, yeah. I was pumped. I was yeah. like talking to people. Yeah. I, I remember I started talking. This guy showed interest in religion, so we kind of exchanged mm-hmm. numbers and mm-hmm. I was like yes like mm-hmm. this is great and then I get to my last guy I roll up I roll up to him and said hey I had learned another phrase like what's the weather tomorrow I think mm-hmm. I asked Elder Cummings mm-hmm. you know how to say it and I wrote it down and I said it I think I even held I think I even held my <laughs> notebook in front of my face and read it to him he was confused but then so before I continue with the story I should let you guys know in 2017 the Russian Federation um banned all forms of religious proselyting meaning i can't go like we already talked about i can't go around knocking on doors that law was originally made against the jehovah's witnesses it was not made against our religion they were mad at the jehovah's witnesses because they were going over boundaries when it came to proselyting they were kind of getting people's faces and the russian government was kind of done with it so they made this law often you the only way you can tell the difference between jehovah's witnesses and elders from the church of Jesus Christ are they have the name tag that's the only d- distinguishing difference is that mm-hmm. you've got this little black thing tag, yeah. on your name tag mm-hmm. that's what we have mm-hmm. they don't so me walking around in a no just a suit and tie but no name tag they immediately thought I was Jehovah's Witness and so which I wasn't and so <laughs> this guy this guy looks at me and he goes, you're Jehovah's Witness, aren't you? And I, I didn't know what that word meant. Mm-hmm. Elder Cummings was a few people behind me, so he wasn't really in on the conversation. And I, I didn't know what the word for Jehovah's Witness was. I didn't even know what the word for like door was. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I, I like looked at him and I was like... Did you say, uh-huh? I, no, I didn't say, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't understand. No. And he goes, and then he speaks in English. He goes, are you Jehovah's Witness? I said, no, I'm not. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. And then he he looks at me and goes, well, I'm going to tell the cops. And in English like that, he <gasps> looks at me and my <laughs> my world just <laughs> fell apart. And I was like, wow, I've been in this country for two hours and I'm already <laughs> I'm already going to jail. So I, I, I look at Elder Cummings and I'm like, I need you uh, yeah. over here. So yeah. Elder Cummings comes over and talks to him and and explains to him better than I could what the situation was, that we're volunteers, that we're here to help people. That's mm-hmm. our main purpose. That's it. And he goes, oh, okay. And the guy was a little bit more understanding, but then after was like, I'm still going to go tell the cops. And so luckily the cops didn't come follow us. But again, coming back to that point of seizing the day, yeah. um, you know, I think that is applicable to everything. Sure. You know, if you've got an opportunity and, you know, You'll be thankful you did it. Yeah. You'll you'll regret it in the end if you don't. If you don't, yeah. Well, I'm not going to keep going in order because (laughs) that just seems like (laughs) redundant. So I'm not going to do that. So I'm skipping around a bit. But one of my favorites, and again, I think because I just love this person so much too, um, and I just have a lot of respect for her, was our conversation with Susie, the therapist. Oh, doctor in air quotes, Dr. Susie. <laughs> she doesn't like us calling her that because she she's feels like it's false. She's not a doctor, no. but I like to call her a doctor anyway. It's like, you know, she puts up a little sign in the front yard and <laughs> the doctor's you know, in. The doctor's <laughs> in and, and whatever. Lucy called herself a doctor. Susie can call herself a doctor. That's, Did you yeah. feel used? Yes. I often felt used. You know, you hear the word triangulation. So you knew when someone was coming in, a couple was coming in, that one of the partners was going to do that. They were going to pull you over to their side, get you to that's see the their... That's the reason they're there. They that's want, the reason they're they there. They want an ally. Right. I'm going to 
come into the office and Susie's going to tell my wife and my husband how crazy they are and that I'm right and everything will be okay. So mm-hmm. I can I could sense that immediately. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you find that people came in there and were just there to go through the motions? Right, of course. And, you know, after a while, they'd, they'd admit it. Really? You know, mm-hmm. um, I just feel like if I do this and go through this process, then, you know, I can feel like I've tried everything before yeah. this marriage is over. Well, that way you've got bragging rights later, which for lack of mm. a better term, where you can say, well, we went to counseling. Exactly. And I learned work. I learned to do an assessment before they would come in so that I knew who had one foot out oh. and who had one foot in. With with this couple where he like left in the middle of the session, did you suspect that from him? No, it was a shock to me was as it? well. And I'd like to think I'm somewhat intuitive, but I didn't see that coming. He was good. He was good. He Which was tells you a lot good. about him. Yes. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. How I'm sorry. Now I'm just fascinated by this couple. Yeah. Had they been married a long time? Mm-hmm. They had been married a long time. They had two children. Mm. Um, what came to light afterwards was that he was having an affair. Yes. And he had somebody else. And he... He was one foot out. He was, com- you know, the typical complete narcissist, mm. you know. She was the breadwinner of the family. What? So she was really um, um, focused on her work. And he was the golf guy. So when she would go off to work, she ran her own business. He would be on the golf course. And he ended up with the cart lady. Oh, the no. cart girl? No. So it was, you know, to me, that's wow. a relationship made in heaven. Like, it go really for it. Is. Go ahead. <laughs> you know? deserve each other. Yeah, exactly. How about it? Perfect. <laughs> any, any other things come to mind that have been mm-hmm. shocking as well? I had um, a couple come in and she, he, he was so in love with her. You could tell. And you could tell that she had one foot out, but I didn't really know. I was just sensing that. Well, uh, I think it was the second session that she came in. They came in and um, she told him that she fell in love with another woman. Oh. At where she worked. <laughs> and that How she... How did he react to that? Well, see, he... he she was... a stripper okay. in her oh. old life. And oh. that's actually how they met. Sure. Oh. Got it. Right? Yep. So... And he said, I knew that she, you know, was sort of a free spirit, should I say, in her sexual life. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. And then For we most got men married. It is. <laughs> yeah, right? That's, That's a dream come true. It's the fantasy of all fantasies. Right. But um, he didn't see that coming. So uh, she just said, I'm, I'm in love with another woman. And so he Did just you see that coming sh- yourself? No. That's I didn't. A, I didn't know about her past because we hadn't even gotten that far. He's not very far into right? the relationship you had with these people. Yeah. So what he thought was the great fantasy about her maybe having relationships with same sex, you know, mm-hmm. same sex relationships mm-hmm. that he thought was part of his fantasy now became his nightmare. <laughs> you know, and I felt really. I did feel for him because he was really in love with her. So I worked with him actually individually. Yeah. She was out. She knew exactly where she was going. She didn't need any help. Um. And she left, and so I worked with him trying to move through the grief and loss that he was experiencing. When they got married, did her uh, free-spiritedness end? And that's why they came to you in the first place? Well, I guess what happened when they got married was she said that their sex life just went down the toilet. She said that? She said that. What what did he say? He said that he wasn't very interested in, in sex. But she was a stripper. That's why you marry her. I, I'm, well, but okay. stripping's not about sex. 
It is for this dude. I mean, well, apparently no, not, though. You would think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously some deep-seated things that we needed to work out, but <laughs> they went away. Like I worked <laughs> with him on this and then he went on his way. I think I might have even referred him out. Oh. Um but that was a little like, oh, didn't see that coming. That's a head scratcher. Yeah. It's really, I like now I'm thinking, wait, well, then what was the, po- what's the point? Why are you? Right. Okay. And I had Maybe another fantasy came true and then it wasn't what it was cracked yes. up to be. So in the lines of fantasy, I had another couple that came in. They were, they had been married for about 10 years and their sex life was getting a little dry or whatever. And so he came up with this brilliant idea that she could have an affair Oh, that sounds great. With somebody that she worked with. Wow. Right? And then when that started, he was really happy because she came. Was it another man? Was it a man? It was another woman? man. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it worked because she came home to him all hot and bothered. And so he was benefiting from this arrangement, right? But then what happened was the relationship, the affair became much more um, important to her. Right. Yes. She really. She. They. They had rules. They. They. So again, here I am having that to develop so rules strange. for an open marriage, which was something I had never done before. Um. So I had. I got supervision for this because <laughs> I had. I had feelings about it, and I needed to really work through your that. personal feelings. My personal feelings. So, and my personal values, and I knew that I. I needed to come into it a little bit more open. I don't know how you do that. You seek supervision. Supervision, oh, supervision, supervision. Because I would have been like, yeah, this is not okay. Right. Well, it's okay until it's not, right? Right. You well, got two adults making decisions. So they set up rules for how this was going to work. And then what happened was the rules were starting to get broken by her. One of them was she comes home. She doesn't spend the night. They had kids. I'm pulling the skin she, off my face. I I'm know. freaking out. She <laughs> would stay she would stay with him, the lover. Okay. Then she would come she was out all night. She would come home, take her kids to school. And then that progressed to that. And it progressed to that. She kept breaking the rules, right? Um and I think the kids were not allowed to meet this person, oh. but you know. Because anyway, saying all no. of this all of this is so like we're like it's we're so, so unseemly. What yeah, ended up happening with well, this couple? What happened was he wanted to stop. It, the husband came in and said, I don't want to do this anymore. Out, I, take it, back. Yeah, oh, I take, take it back. I take it back. I take it back. You can't get that back, I don't think. That's what she said. She goes, <laughs> it's like you dangled a candy bar in front of my face, and now you want to take it back, and I don't, I don't want to give it back I'm to you. I'm already eating the candy bar. That goes seamlessly into um, the next of my favorite guests. <laughs> um, and, you know, the... There were a couple of things that she asked to be called, but we just know her as Mimi. That's right. That's right. But... I call her Madam Barbara as well. That's the other thing. (laughs) She, Madam Barbara, again, is um, a a character. I think that's what we can say about all the people that we've had on this podcast, is their characters, was Mimi. She came in and talked about reading numbers. And I thought, what is... Mimi's in her late 80s. Yeah. I mean, and Mimi brings it with the style it was one of those things though i have met mimi before and i i knew that she was a personality with a capital p (laughs) she i love her um i just was like well this could be interesting talking about the numbers let's see what happens and she didn't disappoint she was so fun and such a just a lovely human and she's a good person she's a good person and that came across because my niece texted me after her podcast came out after Mimi's podcast came out and said 
I need a Mimi in my life. <laughs> I need to talk to Mimi. I need to have Mimi tell me what I need to do with my life. Mimi would totally do that. And she, that's what I said. I said, Mimi would do that and she would have you sit next to her and she would pat you on the hand and tell you how beautiful you are. Because yeah, she's the best. My husband hates me to say this. <laughs> he's gone now like four years ago. But I'm going to say it anyway. He's he, listening, but he'll be okay. I <laughs> hope he will be. But I really thought my husband was trying to drive me crazy. And <laughs> this was like after, in 1993, how many years have we been married? I, don't, I can't remember. It's like 35 or something, 35 years. But, uh, you know, I'm the type of person that I always have a, 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 a my temperament is good. I mean, I can get along with anything. I, I'm very accepting. Mm -hmm. But he would give me some hard times. And I know, I remember this day so well. We're driving on the 55 freeway, and he told me something, and I said, well, ah, that can't be right. And, and he, he said, well, yeah, my husband was always right. Oh. And <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad to know that because yeah. mine is too. Yeah, right. It's very difficult. <laughs> so at that time, I thought to myself, oh my word, is he trying to drive me crazy? Because, you know, you're married. You don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> he has a master plan here. And so yeah. when I went over, got the book, did the numbers, then I knew. You did his numbers. Oh, yes. Oh. And I found out just exactly what he was like. And he was a very tough person. He was always right. Uh, Let me ask you this. Was he really always right? Because my husband, I hate to say this, is usually right. And I, I hope he's not going to listen to this because I don't ever want him to hear me say that. But even if I don't want him to think he's right, I go back and I'm like, oh, crap. He was huh? right. Was, was your right. husband always right, Mimi? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and Hod, too. Yeah. And because I know Hod's numbers. And those people usually are right. I know. It's they annoying. project such authority and usually they know <laughs> so but it can drive you crazy well at that time and 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 even my husband it was really great because he said to me after we were into the numbers for quite a while he said you know he said you're absolutely right that's me I don't like I I feel that I'm right I don't like to back down <laughs> and this is just the way I am Wow. And so it was a great thing to hear from him because he was a guy that never said, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. and, oh my gosh, and, he and her a lot of life. Yeah. Well, those sevens, it's a seven. <laughs> and the sevens are great. They're analysis and understanding. And they like to learn all of their life. And they're always studying and thinking, analysis and understanding. Mm -hmm. And so that thinking machine, they do know a lot. Yeah. When I found out my numbers, my first number is an 11. And uh, that is illumination. Mm. And so if I know something good about good that I think uh, everybody I know needs to know, I will try to get it out there because I want everybody to, to know what is necessary to know, to get along in this life. And I, it's like you're passionate about things. And uh, so you being an illuminator means you want to share whatever you, whatever joy or whatever good things, or yes. is it mean also if you had something bad, you want to share it as well? Or is you it, know what? I'm such a positive person that you are. I was thinking yesterday that when we were going to do this, I thought, you know, I really don't get into the negative, but what's fun about the charts and what they tell you is they do tell you the negative. 
of your numbers. If you happen to slip into that, if you are evolving and maturing into your numbers, then you are not going to have those negatives. But it's always fun to look at that negative and see, which I never get into because the, the numbers, well, I, maybe sometimes I'll say, like I said, you can be so serious and that can be mm -hmm. very difficult for you. So that that's kind of a negative, but I don't really get into the negative that much and I don't think about it that much. But. I think that's helpful though, sometimes to have someone point out to you, hey, sometimes you're let's just say a little negative, then yeah. you can actually go, okay, I'm going to really try to not. So I like that you're saying that you can evolve into your numbers. Yes, you're you not can. And especially if you read about yourself and mm -hmm. you can say, wow, yeah, I'm, I can try that. Okay. Well, there's no way that I could, we were just talking about characters. There is no way. And again, once we had Jason on, I, we literally, the day we had Jason on, we said, I said, we have to have your dad on Jason. And he goes, oh, you definitely have to have him on. It took us a while to get Stan. Yeah. Um, Stan had some health issues, but, um, and he bounced back like he always does. And he came in and again, he did not disappoint. How long were you in the Soviet Union for? That's amazing to me. You're in yeah. the Soviet Union. In 1969. <gasps> I mean, this so is so. This is back before. I mean, this is like look out. Cold you know? war. This is like you might not come back. Yeah, that's right. How Don't many, make the wrong move. <laughs> how many of there were you? Were there? Well, I was the soloist yeah. in in the uh, concert band from the University of Minnesota. The one over there, and there were about fifty in that oh, band. Oh, there was a big group. Yeah, I I didn't play in the band. I just played uh, as a solo. Just now, the solo. We did it years later with the same band. They called me and said, "Hey, do you want to go to China?" Oh, and so. I left my teaching assignment and then went to China uh, for a month as a tuba solo in China. How were you received in both countries as the as the soloist, as an American? You know? What was the vibe? They couldn't believe it. You know, everybody, because they hadn't had tuba soloists. No! And dig this. Yeah. In China, Madame Mao yes. outlawed the tuba. What? Before you got there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, after? No, okay, but can you believe that? That it was <laughs> outlawed? And here's why. why. She was uh, listening to a, a symphony concert. She was in the third row. And, uh, and she was where the trombones, which are a direct bell, sure. were playing right towards her. Yeah. But she was looking at the tuba right next to him, thinking that that sound had to be coming out of that tuba, nice. not those trombones. So... The next day, she outlawed it and sent the guy to hard labor. <gasps> and I met him. Oh. Yeah, 20 years later or whatever. Did he, he got, get out? Yeah, he got out. He was out. Yeah, he, was he trying to explain, lady, it wasn't my instrument. Right, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but the, what they did, dig this, they smuggled his tuba out to him. And he was relegated to go out and work as a, a, a laborer in the fields. They put his tuba on a wagon full of hay. Mm -hmm. And they drove his tube. Can you believe this? No. They drove his tuba out to him in the fields so he could practice. Wow. Isn't what? that wild? I know. So, oh. yeah, and that Madame Mao, you know, she was a drag. Okay, we're, we're just sitting here looking at each other going, it's so hard. How do we narrow it down of, of the 50? But I'm going to do another one uh, that I think is probably both our favorites. In fact, I know it is. So I'm just going to I'm just gonna You're hijacking in. it. I'm going to hijack it. Sorry. I'm okay. a hijacker today. Number 46, when uh, we went up to the Hindu Temple Monastery. Oh, yeah. And we spoke with 
Swami Palani. Mm-hmm. I still will think about that podcast every once in a while, just if I'm, you know, having a bad day or whatever, and just be so happy that we were able to go up there for, it was just a few hours, it wasn't very long, and sit down with him and talk about just a character. We're going from one extreme to the other as far as characters are concerned. This is someone whose life experience has been completely different from anything that we've experienced or anyone that we know. He's, he's, is one of a kind and he's one of those people that you will never meet another person like him right i felt i've always said this and i've always felt this way from the very first time i went to the monastery which was i felt like i was in the presence of somebody special did he was he looking for you talk about coming over here and um spending the three weeks here in Kauai, and then the next year you actually were able to purchase the land was he actively looking for a place to build, he was, build a monastery? He, he was. He had been looking actively. Uh, in fact, that was one reason we went to Switzerland, because he oh. thought he thought Switzerland might be the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loved the idea of the, the Swiss neutrality and discipline and beauty of the place. Um, and then he thought, well, maybe it's in Hawaii. And he chose Hawaii primarily because... His followers were half in the east and half in the west. Mm-hmm. So he had he had people in Singapore, Malaysia, Mauritius, and India. And he had people in London and New York and San Francisco. So being in Hawaii was kind of halfway between all of them. Right. And it turned out well because in later life he could get on a plane and go east or get on a plane and go west and be with uh, his, his followers. Mm-hmm. When you originally purchased this in 19... 19- 68, is that correct? We came here in 68. We actually purchased it in February of 70. By purchasing means signed the papers. Okay. <laughs> and how, how, much, how much land did you purchase at that time? No, no, we didn't purchase the, everything that we have now. So right now we have 70 acres here that's fee simple. Uh, that first purchase was a little more than seven acres. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was actually a great long story, which I won't tell, oh. but I, I Do will. tell. Please tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun story. That's right. So th- this is relevant because it, it also shows you a little bit about Gurudeva's nature. Uh, so we came back from the inner search around the world and, and India uh, in uh, December of 69. And we were exhausted. We'd been on the road for three months with 65 people mm-hmm. who we had to feed and entertain and have classes and then get them on planes and on buses and on trains and all of that. And this was my, my sadhana, my discipline of, the, of my youth. <laughs> so we arrived, we were exhausted. There were 12 monks and 65 inner searchers and Gurudeva said, before the monks go back to San Francisco Monastery, we should stop at that beautiful little island where we were a few a year ago, I guess, before, and rest for three days. So we checked in in Poipu and to rest. And Gurudeva said, well, let's go up and look at the tropical inn. I, I, it was a sweet place. So we came up here, and then we went back to Poipu. And then Gurudeva turned to me at in the hotel in Poipu, and he said, uh, you know, 
you should go up to talk to the owner of the Tropical Inn and uh, see if he would sell it. Just like that? Just like that. Had no idea whether it was... And it wasn't on the market. Okay. (laughs) So my reaction was very normal, which was, Gurudeva, it's not even on the market. I mean, can you imagine going up to someone's house and knocking on the door and saying, <laughs> can I buy your house? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's how I felt. Right. I was I was really reluctant to do it. That's what he was asking you to do. <laughs> but he was asking me, and, and uh, he didn't uh, brook my objections at all. So I came up, uh, drove, you know, what it is, at 45 minutes from yeah. Poipu here, right. knocked on the door. I, I knew the, the manager. Mm-hmm from our previous trip. And uh, I said, uh, Colonel Roche, uh, Grudeva, whom you know and met, wants to know if you would sell the Tropical Inn. And he looked at me in this, you know, uh, as you might imagine, way. uh, Like, here I was, what, 20-some years old, and asking him if he'd sell his home and his livelihood to me. (laughs) So he said no. Uh, please go tell Gurdeva it's not for sale. So I drove back to Poipu, and I said, Gurdeva, Colonel Rose says it's not for sale. He said, okay. So drive back up there. <laughs> he, he doesn't stop. No. <laughs> he knew something. He knew it. He knew something that I, I was not privy to, for sure. Drive back up there and tell him, uh, we know it's not for sale, but if it were for sale, how much would you want? So I drove back up He's here. He's a good businessman, isn't he? He, is. he was a Capricorn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I drove back up here. I knocked reluctantly on Colonel Roche's door. And I, I said what I just said to you. And he said, uh, it's not for sale. But I mean, I said, please give me a number. Because he's going number. to ask me. And all, I'm all, gonna... all I need to, is a number and he won't see me again kind of thing. Uh, I'll go back and tell him and we'll be done. So he said, well, uh, I don't know, uh, $300,000. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> I went, drove back to Poipu and told Gurudeva what he had said. And Gurudeva said, okay, go back to Colonel Roche and tell him that's too much. <laughs> Tell him that all we can afford is to give him 165000 cash. Okay. So I drove the third time up the hill. And it's not on, for sale still. It's not for sale. <laughs> and I told Colonel Roche what Gurdeva had asked me. And Colonel Roche looked at me and he said, let me talk to my wife. No. And the next day we agreed to buy it for $165,000. You can't buy a, a post box for that now. No, no. It, it's an amazing business deal. Well, I'm going to go back to one of our very beginning okay. situations. Okay. And it was one of those podcasts that I believe I came up with the concept of it. I don't mean to brag. Oh, but, oh, <laughs> no. Oh. I, I remember telling you about like us talking about what happened to families having dinner together oh yes and so we named it what happened to fam- sunday, sunday dinner, dinner. Mm. what happened to sunday dinner i would have to say that this is one of the most listened to and commented on 
podcasts that we have, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. No, you're correct. I mean, it is, the response was not what I expected. Not at all. But when I start thinking about it, I'm not surprised. Right. Because the concept is still the same, which is what happened to Sunday dinner. Yeah. Where is it? Why, why are we not? We have it? <laughs> why are we not sitting down and yeah. breaking bread with each other mm-hmm. and having conversations? This was early on. It was, I believe, our fifth one yeah. that we did. It we aired in um, June of of 2021 right. uh, on the 28th of June on mm-hmm. 2021, and COVID was pretty. Oh, you know, we were coming there. out of COVID supposedly, but we didn't get out of COVID for quite a while after that. It was still around, but it was still around. But it, it kind of sparked the reason I brought it up is that COVID did have some good things for a lot of families, which was it brought people back to what was important. Right, which is the family unit, hanging out with the family, having food with the family, and just conversation. And I think a lot of people were, I don't want to say happy, but happy for the excuse that that's all you sort of had left. At first, it was exactly that. Everyone was really relieved that there was no more baseball practices and there was no more running around from this thing to that thing. And, you know, but it it got got a little weary when the kids were still working from home and everybody was working from home in one room. And it was it was a little hairy for a lot of people. But what the what the conversation we had did was point out what can happen if you just make the effort to make it happen. What I'm saying is what happened to the Sunday dinner, mm. right? I mean, it used to be in America or all around the world. I know that every culture values eating. It's true. There's... I mean, when you go to Europe, mm. they make a, they make it an art form. Right. Dinners are three hours long. Right. It could be four hours long. Yeah. You don't go to Europe and expect to have great service. <laughs> the kind of service <laughs> Americans expect, which right. is in and out, got to go. Mm-hmm. No, it's a whole situation. Yeah. So what happened to us as a society and how can we get it back? Well, I I don't, I'm not a doctor or a psychologist (laughs) or an anthropologist. So I don't know. You're a mom. I am a mom. And a wife. The only experience I have, of course, is my own experience in my own house. Um, I, part of it, I'm going to just blame the mom now. Part of it is laziness on the part of mom because I don't want to have to make dinner. There's leftovers. Well, it could be leftovers. So the point is, it really isn't about, to me, it's not really about what you're eating. Right. It's about where you're doing it. How do you get the kid to the table, though, if the kid doesn't want to come to the table? You're the parent. I mean, it's, the, and I, I think you just touched on something very important right there. As I, as I get on mom voice and start really doing my She lecture, pointed her finger at me when she a, said that. There was a pointing. <laughs> there was a severe pointing. But I think, I think that we are so inundated with information responsibilities overstimulation all this other stuff that when it comes down to the the actual um implementing of the parenting like saying because this is how we do things around the house that is going to create some arguments and a lot of times you just don't want the fight it it is really going to come down to the fact do you value the relationship that you want i mean i think every parent does the best they can. I don't know about that. I, I think I think that <laughs> I we, see some parents. I'm like, that's the best you got. I, but I think maybe depending maybe on where they is. came from. You know, I look at my father and his upbringing, mm-hmm. and 
he is a loving, caring man, he but he doesn't show it right. that much. And he has a hard time expressing it. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was raised by parents who were not great parents. Right. In a in a time period, yeah. you know, in the 40s and the 50s, Ooh. when, you know, things, the values and parenting skills and everything, economics and where he was brought up in Indiana. I mean, just so many things played into that. Yeah. So we're, we're getting way off track about that. Right. But I think that most parents do tried their hardest. Let's just give everybody the benefit of the doubt okay. that everyone is going to do the best they can with the information they have. Th- with the information yes. they have. My point of the conversation we're having, and I'm putting this out there because I had a great conversation with a young woman um, from church. She was at my house. She's at my house to run my dogs, and we always have a little conversation. And she was talking about that she had heard me on a podcast. I was on a different podcast, Optimistically Overwhelmed. Getting a little shout hey out girls. to Chelsea and Dee Dee. Chelsea, Dee Dee. Um, if you haven't heard them, go look them up. They're it's a much great, more positive I was than just we are. Say, it's such a great <laughs> uplift. They're such positive people. Um, I know Chelsea personally. I don't know Dee Dee personally, but I've heard their podcast. Know them both. They're amazing. Chelsea is the most positive human I've ever met and just and a kind. sweetheart. Yep. Oh, Ann and I her. aren't positive or kind most of the time. But we're a lot of fun to have at a party. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were on their podcast. I was on their podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, I was talking about relationships. And and Sammy, who we are going to have on our podcast, she was supposed to be on today, actually, but we couldn't work it out. She'll be on at some point just to get her point of view as a teenager right now growing up. But she told me about the fact that she was listening to my podcast and how I was talking about relationships. Yes, and she was going through she's going through something right now in her life where it was really important to her and she heard these words and it kind of made her think differently she said something about how important relationships were and i thought wow you know this is a teenager who values relationships Mm -hmm. so then i asked her about her relationships with her her dad and mom Mm -hmm. they're great people yeah they're just Everybody comes from where they came from. Right. Right? No. Her dad and mom don't want to talk about the hard stuff sometimes. Right. Again, not bad or good. I'm just saying these kids are looking for, they're looking for a place. Okay. They're looking for people to value them. Okay. And to tell them you're expected to be here. Sit down and eat. Kids need structure. Yeah. We know that. And when I say kids, I mean teenagers too. Oh, they're kids until they're not kids anymore. Listen. They're always going to be your kids. You're always your kids. Yeah. I don't care who they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're pains in the butts until they're, until you. Until are, you become a pain in the butt. Until you become. And then, then you can that, exact your revenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's payback for everybody. Okay, this is going to be my last one. And I'm not going to just name one podcast. I want to just sort of do a little generality. So, so just work with me here. The people that we have had on, we've talked about them in terms of he or she's a real character which is true but most of the guests we've had on are above and beyond just being a character they're really really smart mm-hmm. we i'm just gonna run down a list of they're a much smarter names. than we are oh my goodness I i just can't stress that enough i'm gonna run down <laughs> which wouldn't be that hard but okay. i'm just saying <laughs> okay i'll Let, speak for myself yeah okay no i appreciate you speaking for me too uh Episode number 21, we had Kathy Nielsen on. Mm-hmm. Okay, the episode was called Save the Tatas. She's one of the brightest women I've ever met. She's a phenomenal person. Uh, she's a life coach now. Yeah, but just the smarts in I that know. lady. I'm I like, 
I was in awe and her storytelling. I was, she, she, I've known her, but I've never seen like a stripped down version of telling the story of your life as Kathy did. And it, it shook me. Yeah. She's amazing and I couldn't get enough of it. She is one of those people, if you have, we've talked about life doulas in the past. She's like one of those people that she's a life coach now, which is so, she's gone from teacher to principal to a now, then to an administrator. Then she retired because of health complications Mm -hmm. and having breast cancer. That's why it's called Save the Tatas, to being a life coach, which could not fit any person better than Kathy Nielsen. She was born to do that she because was. you could talk to her when she was the principal and you felt like she was wise mm-hmm. and she's even keeled. Mm-hmm. Her, she's kind hearted. Mm-hmm. She's all of these things that make her just a great human being. Mm-hmm. But you want to be with her because she makes you better when you're around her. Right. She doesn't ever make you feel like, oh, you're I'm, dumb. Uh, you're, you're dumb. <laughs> Which is, you know, one of the, I mean, come on. Also, I mean, if we're going along with the, the, the high, theme higher than normal intelligence, <laughs> uh, number 29, episode number 29, uh, we interviewed Gary Lawrence. I knew you had to, he had to be in there. Oh, I mean, seriously, he was such an interesting interview. He's a great storyteller. Um, the name of the episode is called Lady, If You Lived in My Hood, You'd Be Packing Heat Too. That doesn't in any way no. reflect what we talked about. No. But it was just funny. Um, he, he said that quote, so that was He did say part. that quote. It was hilarious, but he, again, I mean, we're just like knocking it out of the park with people who are so, so bright and so enjoyable to talk to. Let's not forget episode number nine with Todd Bloomstein. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? It's called Life is Like a Chessboard, and he broke down what it is to be a lobbyist. He's in the world of... Uh, he's in the political world, but he's also just in the regular world, and he sort of bridges that gap. And <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved having him on, and I had again, I had a lot of people say I had no idea. No, he really shed a light, and I think that's one of the many things that I've enjoyed about this podcast is finding these these people who are who we know through mm-hmm. the community, who are friends of ours, and then just reveling in how bright and accomplished they are. It makes me feel more bright and accomplished. Exactly. Like you are who you associate with. If that's the case right here, we are doing good. Oh, we're aces. We're knocking it out of the park. Do you have a final one that you would like to wrap up? I will wrap it up. And of course, you know, it it goes without saying, and it's probably because, it's not just because I'm her mother, but it is also one of the most listened to podcasts we have. And I appreciate it so much because it is with my daughter, Jacqueline, and the podcast is called One of My Favorite Humans. And that aired um, the day after the 4th of July Mm -hmm. um, last year. And one of the reasons I really appreciated it was I wanted to talk to Jacqueline because she was so open and willing to talk about the struggles that she's had Mm -hmm. with her mental health and physical health. There's been a lot that she's gone through and she still continues to grow through that and try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But she's real. Yeah. And when she came to the table, literally our table, our card <laughs> table from Costco, <laughs> we haven't upgraded that yet. Listen, <laughs> it's not we in the are budget. Who we are. <laughs> it's not in the budget, but um, the Naga hide is peeling off here, so we might need to do something. But <laughs> um, she was truthful. And I've had people, other girls her age and also 
adult human beings that thought, you know, that was really brave of her and also shed light on other people that they know or even themselves Mm -hmm. for having the same struggles with anxiety and depression. And I was grateful for her to do that because she really put her money where her mouth was because she kept saying, you guys should do it. Just put yourself out there. Do this. And when I asked her to do it, she was a little nervous. Yeah. But she was great. Yeah. She had fun. And I was proud of her for airing her dirty laundry, which isn't dirty laundry, but that's what some people might think about it, right? Mm -hmm. They might think that this is like, you shouldn't talk about this. Right. But we have to talk about this. Someone said, and I'm sorry, I can't give the person credit. I'm sure it's someone famous. Um, Someone said, shame dies in the light. Mm. And that's a great quote. Jacqueline represents that. Uh, Shame dies in the light. She was not afraid to just let it flow. She was very honest and very upfront. And as Denise said, it's one of the most listened to podcasts. It is literally top three. Mm -hmm. One of the most downloaded podcasts we have. And I think it's because of her honesty. I think people appreciate hearing someone go, here's me in all of my troubled weirdness and not wallowing in it, but just going, and here's... This is who I am. Here's who I am. Here's sort of what I've done. Here's what I'm doing. It's a process. I'm going to continue. That's it. I think there's something so refreshing about that, especially in this world of just making it look good and right. I'm an influencer and, and my life looks perfect I'm perfect and whatever. on camera it's absolutely not and Jacqueline is somebody and I think one of the reasons it resonated with people is if you saw her from the outside she's this perfect little package she is right? so great yeah. she's a super cute girl mm-hmm. she's super talented mm-hmm. she is a, one of the most caring individuals that I know yes she wears her heart on her sleeve she does. she's trying to she's always trying to self-improve yeah and she's always trying to reach for something different and more. But people would look at her and think, her, how hard can her life be? Right. I mean, and this is no shame. We all do that to everybody. We, we prejudge people just by what they see on the outside or what they see on Instagram. You look at the family that she has come from. Right. And you look at where she works and what she does. And it's all very upbeat and very kind of next level. And you can't believe how honest and open she has been and I think that's what people really identified with. They're like, I- I'm like that too. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever. Oh, I didn't realize that could happen to somebody <laughs> right. who has, you know, it's so easy. Like, because right. they, they just look at your life. And I think that was the takeaway I got from her being so upfront and open was, let's let's all have, let's give each other some grace here. Yes. We don't know what the next person is going through or doing. Mm-hmm. She looks super happy. She yeah. must be so happy. Right. You know, she was rude to me, but I'm not going to give her any, I'm not going to give her a pass on that because that was rude. Right. Well, maybe she's really struggling that day or mm-hmm. not just she, but he or anyway, whoever, yeah. anybody. Again, let's just walk a mile in their moccasins, as mm-hmm. you like to say. Yeah, I do. And let's just figure out how we can treat each other with some grace and, and common ground here. We got to Colorado. And my cute little house in cute little Loveland town, yeah. which is the most darling place ever. Right. Um, and, you know, we start moving my stuff in. And to skip the nonsense, basically what happened was I found out that day that my husband had gotten a girlfriend while I wasn't there. <laughs> Wait, that was the day that, that was you the moved first in? Day. The first, like, three hours. 
Yeah, l- uh, let her repeat that. He got a girlfriend. Got a girlfriend in like three weeks, bro. He I, was he. She, you were gone for about six weeks because he had gone there earlier, be, like two or three weeks before school started. Yeah, that's right. And then you and you ended up being there away from him for about six weeks, which but, is nothing we hadn't done before because I have done deployments with him. Yeah, you know? he was in the military, so yeah. that was sort of how life was. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's six weeks or six years. If you're married, you don't yeah. get to go get a girlfriend. Did, he didn't get that explained to him at the. I thought the vows were pretty clear. I think but they I are. I think maybe he wasn't listening. I can't, I know I this know. is like kind of off topic a little bit, but how did you find out that he oh, had a girlfriend? Okay, so it's very simple. Um, we I've never been protective of my phone. I don't think anyone in a rela- in a trusting relationship in a faithful relationship is right. Um, and we had never been weird about our phones. And so his phone was charging in our bed, new bedroom that I was unpacking my stuff in. Um, and uh, it dinged. And I was like, and it dinged a couple times. So I'm like, oh, someone's trying to get a hold of you. So I went to go bring his phone to him. And, um, and I look and it's like a, a number with no name. And it says, hey, will you send me a pic with a smiley face? I called her. So you didn't right take away. the phone out to him. Well, he I was on my way. He was only in like the next room. Right. And I stopped and I go, and I shut the door, sure. locked it, yeah. and called this girl. Who, the poor girl. She Did she know you existed? No. No. She was in the middle of German class. She thought, her, she thought that her Jacqueline's husband was in a relationship yeah. with a girlfriend. Okay. And it wasn't working out. Okay. Yeah. So you call her and she thinks, oh, this dude who I am clearly having a relationship with is calling me. I better answer. Yeah. So, well, but her phone is going off in the middle of class. So her German teacher answers in German. No. So I'm think I'm thinking this girl is faking. Like, oh, I can't speak English. Right, right. <laughs> Which German's like a really impressive, <laughs> like trying to fake Spanish. Right. Yeah. It was like perfect German. But um, so I start cussing out. Is this on speakerphone in front of the whole class? Probably because it's the teacher who answers. Yes. I'm cussing her out. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. Didn't know. Um, so they hung up, obviously. Mm. And we're like, whoa, mm. you got some stuff to deal with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, at the time, my husband had heard me and came running in and was like, no, 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 that's not. It's not. I don't even know who that is. And mm, sure. deny, deny, deny. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tried to get my phone, his phone back from me, which, by the way, my parents were paying for at the time. Mm. And so I said, um, yeah, right. Yeah. And I was like, you better get the F out of this house while I go through this whole phone. Because mm-hmm. I obviously would never do that, which I didn't even do it. I couldn't bring myself to it. My friend did for me because I was scared. <laughs> yeah, you kind of don't want to know what you don't know. Her friend at the time, I mean, I'm telling you right now, her friend, and we can give a shout out to Parker. Parker. Love you, Parker. Parker she's was, she's, she's older than Jacqueline, and she's like a big sister, and she literally... Oh my gosh. Was my hero. She knew what was up. She, and she was my hero. Handled she handled the situation. it. And she was awesome. And she, she took care of Jacqueline. Yeah, she extended her trip. Oh. It was. Yeah. She it, stayed with you out there in Colorado for a little for bit. For a couple nights. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We got a hotel room. Okay. Yeah. So let's just fast forward. It, yeah. it, it didn't end well. Sorry, I needed to know. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. needed no. to know the drama. The yeah. Juice, it, it the did, juicy bits. It didn't end well for Jacqueline. Um, Which we, we made a. I mean, we. Made it work for another year and a half after oh, that. did you really? So. Oh, I didn't realize it was that long. I, yeah, I mean, my, and my mom. Hmm? She, this is why she wants me to fast forward. <laughs> she doesn't want me to say this. <laughs> well, you can say it. 
I'm gonna. Okay, <laughs> let's hear it. But it was really, truly, probably, like she said, one of the hardest things she's had to tell me. Because um, I always, like, she's the first person I called. Yes. When I found this all out. Yeah. And freaking out. I'm like, I got to come back home right now. What have I done? Mm-hmm. I've left my career. I left my family for this guy who's cheating on me. I didn't, I, you know, the whole nine. And she said, I am so sorry. And I don't want to say this, but... It's going to be hard to hear, but you need to stay there and figure it out. This is your marriage. You promise something, and this is the for better, for worse part. This is the worst. And, and and just so you know, like I was trying to get to the bottom of what was going on exactly, and I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because I, yeah. I thought, well, what if, you know, what if it's as innocent as he's making it sound like? Right. Because he said, yeah, there was no... They said there was no physical. And, and, and I told her, you know, everybody is gets a second chance. I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to be a mature adult. I, inside of me, I'm like ready to scream and mm-hmm. I want to go kill him. Oh, of course. <laughs> and, and at the time, it, we were having a family, real family issue. Mm-hmm. My husband's mother was diagnosed with brain cancer at the time. And mm-hmm. my husband was not at home. He was with his mom. Um, spending a few nights at their house and I couldn't call him who is my rock I couldn't call him and so she's trying to figure out what she's going to do next and we don't know and all I'm telling her is and and I really felt like you know I had something telling me you have to be stern with her right now Mm -hmm. you cannot you have to teach her how to stand on her own two feet that was the mom that was that was what mom intuition was telling me right yeah. that you have to be able to do this and truly i mean as hard as it was at the time it was the best the it was the right thing to say and for it was the right thing to do because if i would have just turned around and come home or whatever it was and and not given my full effort for mm-hmm. that year and a half after that mm-hmm. i wouldn't i would have never known Right. You so know? you were confronted face to face with the reality of it yeah. because you were there. You stayed. Yeah. And and we, you know, tried to make it work. And turns out we just don't get along. <laughs> Sometimes Truly. it's just that simple. Um, and, and you have no respect for him well, because of how because he acted. Of that, and yeah. It was just, it, you know, that didn't help. And I think he definitely struggled. I know he definitely struggled with um, some mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he turned to alcohol mostly mm-hmm. for that sure. um so that didn't help and and he needed to do to do a lot of growing and i needed to do a lot of growing and we just weren't growing together right it we were growing p- apart right um so yeah yeah and then after i and that's when i really kind of flipped a switch and started a kind of a self-discovery quote-unquote journey mm. um as silly as that and cliche as that sounds but mm. i kind of let go of it I wasn't gonna turn back it wasn't something that we I mean we t- I would joke about it because you have to laugh about it yeah or else it's haunts really you yeah. um but I mean we didn't go back I was never I didn't hold a grudge I didn't wow. bring it up I didn't I did hold it against him wow. I do um wow. I mean I do now <laughs> but yeah. in the moment I was like well if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this right I'm not just gonna like that's just silly Right. Like that won't work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, I kind of really started a self-reflection journey that I am now still on, of course. I mean, I feel like everyone's always on it. But yeah. um, 
You think that helped your mental health? That's how I, yeah, that's, I mean, that was the only way I could cope was to really it turn into myself, focus on myself and my work, mm-hmm. which, so I worked a lot. I was working on a farm at the time, um, which is where I was like so, I was so happy to be on a farm. Yeah. Um, and I really, I really worked on myself from journaling to, I had a great routine every day, like whether it be like work and work out and self-care and everything, I put myself first for the first time mm-hmm. in that art, relationship. Art was art, a really oh, yeah. good, good therapy for you. Art yeah. has always been a huge coping skill for me. Um, ever since I was with him and he started getting deployed, I didn't know what to do with myself. Right. And I was living at home and, um, you know, what do you do with all that time, you know, that your significant other you can't talk to mm-hmm. and you're all worried and anxious because you can't talk to them for six months at a time or whatever it's going to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just writing letters. And so, yeah, art was definitely how I started coping. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a life changer. Um, but I did basically just like would put headphones in, kind of get in my zone. And I pulled out for the first night. I was like, what am I, what should I do? And I started going through our craft drawer that's in the hallway. That's mm-hmm. just was cluttered with stuff at the time it was amazing amazing no it's so organized Mm -hmm. um and i found some like crayola watercolors from just being a kid and watercolor paper and for the first time when i watched watercolors i was just messing around you know i just put water on the paper and just kind of started putting colors around and the way that they interacted with each other and the water and the paper made me so relaxed (laughs) And, like, eased my anxiety so much that I was like, oh, wait. This you is actually it. felt a shift in your anxiety? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. As soon And so as soon as I would come home from work, I would shower, put my PJs on, put my headphones in, and sit at the dining room table for a couple hours to, like, two to four hours and just kind of mess around. And that was, like I said, what was pretty life-changing yeah. and kind of has brought me to where I am today still. I don't know about you, but I could go on. I could probably, every single one of the the podcasts that we've done, I feel uh, proud about. Mm -hmm. And I feel grateful to the people we've had on. Yeah. And I feel grateful to you Mm. as being my muse. Can I call you that? Would you? I will. Thank you. You're my muse. Thank you. But no, you're, you're an inspiration. And we both have been able to kind of, when we're a little bit, not sure mm-hmm. the other one is like i mean you have confidence that i don't have and vice versa it, i have confidence in certain things because right. i have knowledge of things that you I don't. don't and denise anyone who knows denise even if you don't know denise if you just listen to the podcast you know that she is a force to be reckoned with <laughs> she's a talk about a character no she is a powerhouse personality who's like so task driven and goal oriented that if you put something in front of her like hey maybe we should do a podcast next thing you know <laughs> it's gonna get done you're buying a microphone that's right well you're buying six so because <laughs> we gotta we got to do this uh, uh, in every continent in the world so right. yeah that is I think what I have appreciated the most about this podcast is being able to do it with you I agree that's what I agree I think you're my Ernie Hmm? You're Are, my Bert to the Ernie. We're, we're the Bert and Ernie now? Or, or like, I don't know. Uh, can we be Ethel and Lucy? Oh. Can we be Thelma and Louise? That would be better. I mean, Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, which one is Thelma? We're not going to decide now. We'll decide later. I think it's Louise who ends up with them. So that's me. <laughs> 
This has been Two Average Girls. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Police. Oh. oh no, I'm Denise Cooper. And I'm Ann Police. <laughs> <laughs> Professional as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking in there with us. Here's to another year and another 50 episodes. Cheers to another year. Cheers to another year. Mm-hmm.